Hello lovely people, good morning and welcome to the best version of your international podcast. My name is Princess Pukwansa and this is the third part series of the rape episode and today we are going to look at the inside the mind of the rapist. Though I know this is a bit weird because people may think why should we look at the why should we look at rape from the view or from the perspective of the rapist instead of the one who has been raped as a victim because the victim is the is the um, subject of discussion the victim is the one who pain has been inflicted on so why should we look at the perspective of the rapist but this is with an intention i i want us to also just veer off a bit just take a glimpse of the mind of the rapist i'm not saying this is whole truth but this is um, study done by some people and um, I'll pick a story on some rapists and then we, we see why they did that and after that the motive of this is to just to give a recommendation so it's not justifying what the rapists do but it's just to give a recommendation to help the victim so thank you very much for joining us and I shall plan into it in a minute So let me quickly add that um, we'll have the last um, part of this series. Um, I don't know when, but I have to do the research. And that will be about the law. <clears throat> I beg your pardon, the rapist and the law. And we'll discuss various laws in, in various jurisdictions. And probably also come out with a recommendation. And then we end the, um, the segment of um, rape. And we hop on to another interesting um, topic. And so let's start. Um, I got this source from medium.com, and um, this was a study done by Radha Kapadia in October 17, 2020. So it's quite recent. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned his name right. If I have not, please forgive me. And he came out with very interesting findings. Um, He said, I think the title of that piece is, he said, four things that will take you inside the mind of a rapist by Radha Kapadia. And he said, rape has deep-rooted causes. Less often do we sit and think why a rapist rape or what could have been so triggering for him that it led him to such a monstrous act and so his study um, takes us to um, gives us a glimpse of the rapist's mind and these are some of the factors he came up with he said first rapist childhood environment um, it forms that particular person well I'm not saying a male or a female because I've um, I have made it clear that even men can be raped. Um, but I think with what has study, it's got to do with the mind of, um, I'm not attributing anything, um, rapists who are men. And so we'll look at them. So I may use a particular gender, um, I, I may use he at a point continuously but after some time maybe i may use she but if i don't then when i'm doing with the law maybe we turn it and then 
we make a gender balance so i'm not imputing that only men who rape um but i've also given instances where men have been raped so radha says that um first a rapist childhood environment form or shape him to become what he is and he's not justifying that what he's not justifying what they do but he's just taking us inside the mind of a rapist that's what he's doing so childhood experience is one factor and he said a rapist's actions can be traced back to the environment that he was raised or nurtured growing up if the person witnessed or faced severe forms of violence I beg your pardon. So he said, when children are not looked after with emotional support, they cannot distinguish their positive and negative feelings, feelings, and hence become unflinching towards the concept of raping. So here he's he's advocating that children must be raised with enough emotional support. Children who find that taken out of their environment he's not saying automatically they become rapists but he's saying that somehow it's it has some level of influence on that particular child and he also said that men who have a bad equation with their family especially with mothers get back at them by sexually abusing women so another factor about the environment is that he's also saying that men who has had um bad experience with their family particularly their mothers also grow up having some form of hatred for women and and the the way to get back at their mothers is to either sexually is to sexually abuse women and they think that it's a form of revenge remember that when we're treating categories of rape i said we have revenge rape so maybe that can also fall into that perhaps so he says a child learned from the responses of his family members when the women are recklessly blamed for everything that men do it forms a biased image in the minds of them in such environment rape may occur with impunity so he's also talking about men who are raised i mean children who are men i mean who are boys who are raised in environment where women are not treated appropriately women are blaming even for the things atrocities that are committed against them so when children grow up in such environment it can have severe impact on them and he said another factor is when families try to protect the female member from rape while there are rarely any control practices held for male members due to no social pressure that men find it difficult so it's also saying that when children are raised in an environment where females are protected from atrocities that are meted on them instead of there being a practice to control that atrocities so it makes the the children feel oh it's okay it's women that are supposed to be protected from them. Men have no part or role in playing. Men have no role in in, in um, helping those practices to be stopped. It's the women that have to be protected. So when 
children grew up in that environment when men when boys grew up in that environment um it can also influence in some way um it's, so it says it makes it difficult for them to understand that sexual abuse is wrong. So if you are protecting the women from that practice, you are preaching to them that the women are supposed to be protected from that practice. But men don't see anything wrong with 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 rape, you know. Um, I mean, the boys do not see anything wrong with it. All they see is just the women being protected from that practice. So he said, men belonging to the families with a strong patriarchal structure are more likely to be violent towards women. In comparison to the ones belonging to egalitarian, egalitarian families, another one has got to do with them um, families that have strong male dominance, um, and the boys grow up seeing that. That one also can um, influence them in some way for them to feel that it's okay. You know, it's, it's a man's world. A man can do what he or she wants to do particularly with women and then and, and there's nothing wrong so with um radha's um study environment is number one and environment he has looked at it from several perspectives one from <clears throat> when men are treated bad in their families particularly by their mothers it can have some influence on them to get back at women and after a form of revenge by getting back at their mothers. And so with this particular point, I think I picked that one in, um, I said a book I read so many years ago after high school when I volunteered in the library, Silent Rage. <clears throat> I beg your pardon, I don't know what's happening to my voice. Silent Rage. It's it's quite a voluminous book, but I think those who are who want to delve much into this subject matter can can read that book. Silent Rage. Um, it was Karoko's account of why he became. Um, I think well, maybe it wasn't any justification for committing those um, atrocities against women, but at least he gives us a glimpse of his mind and why he did that so you can read that book silent rage um carol cole was killed um through lethal injection in 1985 and he confessed to have the desire to rape and strangle women he prayed over 35 women and killed them you know some he he raped um some i think he after killing them he raped them and it's it's just so much i think it baffled my mind when i read it you know after killing them then he raped them and why will you say rape i mean the person is dead so why will you say rape but i think i said something right i said that maybe we okay let me hold on then when i conclude i can give that recommendation and add that one to it so it, it's, it's i think it still baffles my mind but he gave a reason why he did those things maybe he justified it a bit but not entirely he did this so well that he got away with it most of the time until he confessed his crime and gave vivid description of how he preyed on his victims and this helped the investigators 
in the sight of the law for him to be convicted and finally sentenced to death through lethal injection. In 1985, he was killed. So he killed over 35 women and he strangled them. And he did it so well that he he got away with the law, you know. Not that the law was not um, competent or capable or enough to, 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 to nip him. But he had some form of intelligence, a half form of intelligence. And when you read Silent Ridge, I think I read it, if I remember correctly, if I'm not exaggerating, but I think at a point, um, either psychologists or scientists lobbied for his brain because they wanted to do a research on it because he had such high level IQ with regards to how he murdered his women and he left no clue. And he was... I wouldn't say he was caught. He tended himself in because he was tired at a point and he had no control of killing the women. He just had high appetite of killing them, raping them. That's what he wanted to do. And he couldn't stop it nor control himself. So at a point after doing the killings and and the investigators trying hard enough to find out who would they do things and they could not because he did not leave any trace of, of evidence. He just tended himself in and said, I did it. And he started giving vivid descriptions. And that tallied with, with the crime scenes. And so then they believed. And, and then they said, okay, then he was caught on the side of the law. And I think after that, some group of people tried to, you know, appeal for him because, you know, he was sentenced to death through lethal ingestion. But he said no. He said no, because he just could not have control of himself, of killing women. It was just his passion and his desire to kill them and then rape them. And he gave us a glimpse of why that happened. And it's so sad, so sad. So Karako gave a glimpse of what may have informed this behavior. He recounted stories of his childhood mother who cheated on his his father anytime his father was away during the war during the world war one his father was a soldier and so he said that his mother cheated repeatedly on his father and his mother took him along during her escapades and so he watched how his mother cheated with other men Meaning that his mother, when his mother took him to the house of Adamin, he he um, he saw what was going on. You know, when I say he saw what was going on, you know what 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 is it that women do? Men do when they cheat. So Karako saw it, and anytime his mother did that, I don't know why. Well, I'm not here to to judge, but I don't know why his mother did that, but. His mother made him a witness of her cheating escapades. And um, she also abused him continuously to keep him silent so that he would not tell his dad about 
his about her adulterous act. So anytime she got indication, no, this is just a just okay. I'm sorry. Um, so this is what his mother did because his mother knew that Karako had information about what she was doing. She kept on abusing him physically. And the, the intention of the abuse was to keep him mute so that he would not say a word to his dad about her adulterous act. And so Karako witnessed this so many times until I think maybe he grew and he, he at, at a point, maybe he left the home or something, I'm not sure. But this this particular experience he carried with him so many um everywhere he went and he formed a general opinion about women because of what his mother did and remember that Radha said that one way rapist um, minds are formed or shaped is to the environment and one way is when they have um, not so good experience with their family particularly their mothers they do that to get back at women and so having and so Karako having witnessed that she formed an p- opinion about women and so anytime that a woman she, I think either he or she, or the woman the woman approached Karako and the woman exhibited traits of what he put in quotes a loose woman that reminded him of his mother and he preyed on that woman by strangling that victim and then having sex with that victim. And he did that repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And so maybe if he goes to any social, any place, and he meets a woman, and maybe the woman approached him, oh, hello, hi, you know, exchange, and, and he's, I don't know what he means by a loose woman, but maybe he has indicators when he sees those things in that woman. Then he picks on that woman, strangle that woman, and rape that woman. And he did it repeatedly. And according to reports, said over 35 women until he, he just tended himself in and said, Look, I did this, I did that. Although sometimes he was caught, but I think there was not much evidence, and so he was let loose until a point where he got tired and he said he took himself to the police station and he confessed to the crimes he has committed and that tallied with the crime scene. And so this is just to... um, Support the argument by Radha that the environment, particularly the way family members treat male males, um, play a key role. And so, this will be this is one of the reasons why I choose to to just look at the glimpse of the rapist mind. So when I give my recommendations, then you understand why. So, Dr. Samuel D. Smithyman, a U.S. clinical psychologist, learned that um, he interviewed about 50 men in the 1970s who had 
confess to have raped someone. These men had diverse backgrounds, their social status, different personalities and um, mentalities. And what surprised Dr. Samuel D. Smithyman is that um, these men were unconcerned with what they did when we're talking about such a criminal offense. And then he came up with some findings. He said these rapists have common characteristics. Number one is lack of empathy, narcissism, feeling of hostility towards women. And um, this is in line with um, what Radha said. You know, Radha said something. He said, when male children are not raised with enough emotional support, that one can also help. So I think that tilts towards what Dr. Smithyman says, lack of empathy lack of empathy so let me go on to exhaust Radha's findings and now pick on other recent findings as well so I said Radha said four things right I said four things that we will need to take inside the that will take us inside the mind of the rapist so let me go on to the second one the first one is just the environment also shapes a rapist the second one is to show the power of masculinity and hate towards the other gender. So another way, another reason, perhaps that men may we rape women is just you know just to show the power of masculinity. Hey, we are men; we can get away with whatever we want. It's a man's world. That's another another reason. And and we can also find out in Doctor Smithman's when he said the men the men recounted how they raped the women, and he was expecting them to show some concern, level of concern, but. They just said it and they thought, oh, it was normal. I mean, when a man rapes a woman, it's normal. And this, this may be the reason to show the power of masculinity towards the other gender. And then the third one is... Um, no, let me exhaust this thoughts first. So they see that it's normal. So to show the power of masculinity and hate towards the other gender, maybe the rape may be considered as a hate crime. More often than not, rape is based on a man's sexual edge and also because of his hatred towards the entire female gender due to which they degrade and humiliate women. But some of these men are... Um, plainly under the influence of toxic masculinity and they feel that they are entitled to prove the superiority of the agenda over these women and this to show that they are more powerful. These rapists possess underlining feelings of inadequacy, hence raping helps them to compensate and feel the issue of authority, control. And strength and with this we can see perhaps maybe in Karoko's um, instance as well because other than what would justify that you you kill a woman and then you rape her you know so that is it so it's, it's just a feeling of superiority that if you, I mean it's a way of toning women down so I when they rape women they feel they have power over the women and they can do anything it's a man's world and so that is um, Radha's explanation of to show the power of masculinity towards the other gender. And then the third 
um, factor he said fulfillment of desire and secret fantasies when a person's behavioral tendencies get out of control he indulges in compulsive obsessive behavior controlling sexual urge and addictions become difficult for such person so they end up raping girlfriends child wife strangers and this digs back again to their childhood for someone who has never compromised or has always had their way with everything controlling becomes a challenge later in life and such people will just do what they want to do so this one i think um it's also boils down to the family how men again are raised and we should be very careful when we raise our sons to believe that they can get away with everything this can also influence their behavior though they grow up not knowing how to compromise not knowing how to control their sexual edge and um so some men also live upon a fixed bizarre sexual fantasies which they try to realize through rape for such people the feeling to get their desire fulfilled is paramount and it makes them humane while some rapists also express remorse later the ones that are driven by desire remain unmoved that's interesting and so the fourth one is the event from their past that most men who rape start at a young age during high school probably or college they are likely to face an incident that gets imprinted on their minds for life so um according to Wayne State University social psychologist Antonia Abbey the young men who express remorse when likely to of- offend um just a minute oh okay so according to um Antonia Abbey's um finding he is just I don't know if it's she but this this person is this the psychologist the social psychologist is just trying to make us understand something here in comparison you know he is making comparison to the men who blame their victims and and those who express remorse after what they do but Antonia is saying that the men who blame their victims after raping them are more likely to do it again because um she said that they put it this way that they feel that they are repaying accordingly in court said and this an account from one of the men who raped the woman and it's verbatim so it's in court said i felt i was repaying her for sexually arousing me and so it goes back to what um brother said um a form of you know it's how men are raised you know in their societies you know so when a woman when a man feels sexually aroused 
maybe at the sight of a woman maybe he feels that the woman has played a role in sexually arousing him and so when he rapes him he feels it's not my fault i didn't it's not a matter of me controlling my sexual urge it's a matter of what you did that aroused me and so i'll just repay you for what you did to me um so when men are raised in such environment you know rat has said something about the environment where women are controlled like women are prevented from such as and and they refuse to let the men know that they also have a key role in playing to prevent that by some matter of what well, the women are supposed to be protected and so when a man a child grows up with that feeling he gets the idea that uh well for rape is it's, it's your doing i mean i have no part no role to play in it and i think it's it's cut across in most societies most societies you know and you can see that the evidence i just don't want to point out the evidence because if i point out it will be attributed to a particular community and that would be bad but let's set our mind thinking what are the things that society do you know um in that way you know some people have even some women have even come out to say well, a woman is not supposed to dress in a seductive way to arouse a man yes it's, maybe yes they have a point i don't know what it is but when you start saying those things you know you make the men also feel oh, okay we, we have no role to play in this is a woman that's supposed to protect herself that's supposed to wear um the dress uh, dress appropriately so that doesn't arouse but when we make it um shared responsibility it can help it can help so let me exhaust all the thoughts i think i'm going to the recommendations not yet let me exhaust the thoughts and then i give the recommendations and i hope somebody can pick this up and do a research on it or write a paper on it um i would wish to have written a paper on it but time i don't have that time so if maybe somebody can just pick on what i've done the person needs more information as to the authorities the person can get in touch i will give what i've done to the person the research where i got it and all that and I, of course i also mention my sources so that the person can do further research write a paper on it and then we see we need to help in some way as well So again for Antonia Abbey remember I said um she, Antonia Abbey is a social psychologist um from Wayne State University Antonia said that again for the men who rape the women because of their past or better encounters with them they tend to have similar stories of rejection once these men become successful they decide to get back at the women who rejected them so it's it boils down to you know i told i told you about um, in the first episode the categories of rape, revenge rape so for men who experience rejection from women later on in life when they become successful Antonia um Antonia says that they decide to get back at the women who rejected them by raping them after they have become successful. So it also boils down to some some level of um 
I don't know. I don't know. But maybe I think somebody can put a name to it. So when a woman re- when a woman rejects sexual advances, these men somehow feel triggered to rape them because they feel that rejection is an insult to their manhood. While these men do agree that the sex was non-consensual, they don't consider it as rape and will mostly do it again. And so this goes back to environment again. Let's go back to environment. As Rad has said, that when um, in a patriarchal society where we feel it's a man's world, a man can do what he wants. When a man demands sex, it should be given. Um, when these men adv- approach women and the women refuse their sexual advance, they don't just see why this, the women say no. Because a man's world, we get what we want. Then that's what some societies have, have built in the men. And so they see this rejection as a source of, um, as a form of insult, and they rape them, they rape the women. But funny enough, they say that they know that the sex was non-consensual, but they don't consider it as rape. So I think that maybe what we can do, okay, that will also come in my recommendations, the way we look at rape, maybe I think rape is a big word that, well, you ask men, some men who have raped women. Have you ever raped a woman? Maybe they may say no because it's too much a big thing for them. But have you ever had sex with a woman without a consent? Yes. It's always the same thing. But I think one has it has to do with the the, the worst, maybe possibly. So maybe when we say rape, maybe we should add some lighter explanation to it, possibly. And then we see that. So that's what um Antonia said so he said the psyche of individuals might be looked after so that's what Antonia is recommending that the psyche of individuals must be carefully looked after because he said everything relies on how thoughts are shaped our thoughts society must look at how we shape thoughts and that is why men who rape do not believe that it is a problem. So that's the answer. That's the genesis of the whole problem. Because in some societies, men don't see rape. I'm not saying rape. Maybe sex without consent as a problem. That's how maybe they see it. Um, they see that is the rape. Rape is such a big thing that I don't know. Maybe they we are just missing how we explain it all and i'll give a recommendation for that so antonia is saying our thought in society will help a great deal to deal with rape how our thoughts are shaped is very much important and this somehow influence the thoughts that make men believe that rape is not a problem hmm And so those who would not get um, the book Silent Rage to read on Carol's call, on Carol Cole's account, uh, let me give the full name. His name, 
Carol Edward Cole. You know the this. Um, I don't want to say the rapist or the serial rapist or anything, but that was the account I gave Carol Edward Cole. And you can find his account if you don't get the the silent rate to read his full account. You can find um, an aspect of his story on murderpedia.com, and even go to murderpedia.com, murderpedia.com. It's one word, but I just wanted you to know um, so that you search for it. So murderpedia.com it has series of um serial rapists serial um, killers and all that so if you want to do extensive research maybe you can get some material in murderpedia.com thank you and then let me go on to do maybe the last one on on somebody's research and then i give the recommendation so we have sherry hamby a researcher and a professor of psychology at the University of, um, I think, South in the U.S. state of Tennessee, who told D.W. that sexual assault is not about sexual gratification or sexual interest, but more about dominating people. So it's in line with what... Um, Antonia has said um, it's in line with what Right Heart has said you know, the society plays a key role in that so she also found out how toxic masculinity promotes rape culture and said the only way to have social status among male peers in many cases is to be highly sexually experienced and not being sexually active is often stigmatized. So she believes that these kind of peer pressure set men up to become sex offenders because many are just in absolute panic that they are going to be discovered as not sexually experienced by their peers. And this work in some cultures and often the media, the media suggests that these men that they should assert dominance over women as a form of fake masculinity and that stigmatizes those who do not have a lot of sexual encounters and so this is her research and she came out with much um, Sherry came out this is Sherry's research, and Sherry came out with um, what um, that person discovered um, after that research about the feeling of masculinity, the feeling of, or well, I think, I don't know, but we see what, what Sherry is saying, we see it in our societies, and the peer pressure is, is so intense among male and their peers that you know for instance it's very you know i don't know but i think i watched there's a program i don't want to mention the program um the name of the program in ghana where i chanced on it it's not my favorite though but i chanced on it and um there's this guy who came in um i think it's a it's a 
it's a matchmaking program something like that and the guy confessed that he he's a virgin or something and you know i don't know but instead of society just applauding oh wow somebody in somebody of that age becoming a virgin at that point it's a bit precisely wow maybe just applauding maybe i don't know but rather people hooted at him um people jeered at him people made fun at him to the extent that they added virgin to his name you know and most and then even the women um that i think that particular program was trying to match me some said well uh, if you're if you are if you're a virgin then uh, I, I i i don't want to be with a virgin i mean i was so shocked because i don't know i was so shocked when when some of the women were making those arguments i was a virgin i can't be with a virgin and i think i don't know how he felt but if after that program he does not break his virginity that i don't know because the news was not welcoming you know and it's it drives home the point of what sherry is saying well we think that masculinity must be equated so i don't know whether sexual escapades or sexual dominance and we contribute society contribute to a lamb not justifying it but we contribute to a larger extent and we can't even find out among male peers when they confess males confess to their peers who oh, haven't done it before you know and they will laugh at the person at a certain age why don't you go and do it and so if we keep on hoping and pumping these ideas in our societies it's not going to help the society at all at all maybe we should start having reorientation you know that the image of masculinity must not be equated to sexual dominance or escapades other than that we make men who don't see reason in that start having some form of perception look at the program that i just i just gave an example you know somebody innocently just spelling out oh well i'm a virgin and people jeering at him you know and something i don't want to be with you because you are that you know so what are the boys learning from it assuming we have a young boy who maybe um has been told by the parents that i don't try it yet wait and he sees society jeering at this person who has made the effort not to have sex until certain time he he would just not be convinced of what his parents are saying and he may form certain opinion or ideas and so society needs to look at this critically and let me um acknowledge where i got this source from from ampdw.com so amp.dw.com that's where i got this source from the sherry hamby research and sherry hamby told dw her findings i hope it's a she but if it's not a she please forgive me the findings and i think i i I don't think I I know 
have experienced it you know so no i'm not saying i've experienced rape i've experienced that in the society like the date um that date program and 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 that and a lot more that i hear people say which i believe sherry i'm sherry i beg your pardon is right in that angle so let me acknowledge my sources again for those who want to do extensive research and then i go on to give my recommendations first one i said is um medium 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 medium.com and it's an article by radha kapadia on october 17 2020 and the um, other sources amp amp dw.com and then murderpedia.com or you can read silent Ridge to get a full account of carol Cole's story early childhood story and then let me also acknowledge some of the research and the researchers we have antonia abbey who is a social psychologist according is from wayne state university and then um we have sherry hamby dr samuel d smithyman a u.s clinical psychologist so this is where i got my sources from inside the mind of the rapist so what are my recommendations i think maybe i just hinted when i spoke on certain things rape is a crime and if you look at the findings of some of the researchers some of the psychologists they said the main the men consented that the, the sex was non-consensual but they didn't accept that it was rape so what then is rape i'll deal with that in the last aspects um, of the law the last part is rape and the law and i'll look at it from various jurisdictions various countries the definition of rape and then we'll see so what then is rape i gave the literal meaning that's a dictionary meaning but the last part i'll give the definition of rape according to the law and it's basically similar a similar rape is simply put sex without consent it can be from a man or from a woman's point of view i told you men who were raped it means they didn't give their consent and the women went ahead it may sound weird because i'm i i said i'm putting men have the the strength but hmm, some women are strong or stronger but often time it attributed to women so when a woman says no and you go ahead it is rape because there the element of consent is missing to rape is simply sex with no consent and it's a crime and per what i've said through the various researchers 
society also plays key role in that well if you say that and say that the law must solve the problem law enforcement agencies must solve the problem the courts the police must solve the problem the problem will not be halfly solved why do i say this because we look at karako's account look at somebody like karako the law was able to when you read murderpedia.com you realize that at a point he was arrested but the evidence because karako i told you was psychologist or scientist lobbied for his brain because if you look at the 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 experts the rate at which he murdered with fine expertise it was difficult for the law enforcers to grab any tangible or substantial evidence for the court to go ahead and convict him and it he was caught because he volunteered information that helped to gather enough evidence to incriminate him and that was because he had killed so many women he said over 35 that he was tired you know and he killed the women with ease because um one thing is that he had a background in the military when you read metapedia glocom if i think i want one point he was he found himself in one of the arms of the military um and i say arms you know military has navy um air force um army but in 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 the US they have i think they have the seals and um others i don't know i think seal yes so he was one he found himself in one of the the arms of the military and i don't know maybe that may also have helped him because he has such fine intelligence that he killed his women with ease he, he, he intoxicated them at a point you know and so killing them with strangulation and and leaving no form of evidence it was done with so much perfection that was hard very hard to get that evidence until he volunteered and 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 even when he recounted it sometimes maybe they didn't believe it but it tallied with the crime scenes and so then they believed um and sometimes he even i think it was at the point recommended to see a psychologist but when he Yes, was going to see the the psychologist to get help. But what what he told the psychologist and I think some of them even dismissed him because he confessed that he has such thirst, such desire to murder women and rape them. So this is where society must come in. For the law, the law cannot do anything without evidence. So if we say that oh when rape happens the law would serve as a deterrent for recalcitrants how many people are convicted the law is willing to convict but the court is willing to convict but 
it is handicapped without evidence. And what if we have rapists, many of them like Karoko, who have such fine, who have such intelligence that they don't leave any trace? Then the law cannot convict them because why is the evidence? Without no evidence, the law cannot play any part in that. Well, of course, they know that they have done it, but give us the evidence to convict them. Because, you know, one of the, according to, I think one of the research, the person quoted, I don't remember the, that particular um, that particular person, but they said rape has such high standard. It has such high standard. And it said beyond reasonable doubt. Those, I mean, read law will know all those things, but you can't come and say somebody has raped me and then the judge will say the court will say okay that person must be put behind bars the person needs adequate evidence and the prosecution must convince the court beyond reasonable doubt and that is a high standard very high so imagine the prosecution the prosecutors don't have that adequate evidence. Like in instance, like they get so many cases like similar to that of Kaworoko. What is it going to do? It means that we're going to have more rapists on the streets. So then we will be it will be very much unfair if we push all that responsibility on the law enforcement agencies. And society does not play a key role in that. Then that one we are going to have continuous increase in rape cases and it's going to be injustice against women who equally contribute to the betterment of society and some men as well who are also raped. They may be gender sensitive here. So what must we do? We must help the law enforcement agencies. Society, everybody must play a key role. And one, my recommendation is that Rape is a crime and that should be taught in schools. That subject needs to be introduced in schools. Right? Even from, I don't know when, at what point we can start. Maybe from primary, maybe the children will understand. Or maybe from junior high, they will understand. Because I, well, I don't know. Now society is changing so fast. But we can decide where we believe. Psychologists can maybe recommend where we believe that boys particularly i know girls can also read but boys particularly can understand what they are being taught that rape is a crime and rape is not such big deal such a big thing rape is just that a sex with no consent so it should be taught in our schools very early and drummed home into the minds of our young ones so they grow up with that mentality and that can help solve some problem they should know that rape is a crime rape is sex with no consent so then if a woman says yes initially and then you go into the room with her this one one of my law lecturers cited it and when we're treating rape as a crime and you know when he says that 
we were laughing but it's a, it's a serious thing so it's not my it's not my example it's an example from him i don't want to mention his name he said when the woman says yes and you go into the room with her and then just when the act is about to begin and she says no and you go ahead it is rape and the men you know i mean the men what did they, i think they yelled they said hey that's what the men said in the class and he said yes some men were arguing but she consented she lured me she said no 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 the element is that no consent at the latter part so it must be taught in schools that rape is just sex with no consent and drum home very early if it's if it's junior high or primary i don't know where but maybe we can also that somebody can write a paper and sit down and then we decide at what point rape that's the, the subject matter of rape must be taught in schools that is a crime and our boys must understand our girls must understand to rape is sex no consent you know when we say it it makes it simpler because you know per the research of one of the the psychologists said well they agreed some of the rapists agreed that the sex element of consent was missing but they don't consent that they rape the women so it's their mindset I remember one of the um psychologists also recommended that the thought how thought are shaped in society is very important so this recommendation can help with the shaping of thought very early in our young men and at some point in our young women too that rape is a crime rape is sex with no consent and that will help so that the men can also take some form of responsibility it's not only the women who will be told don't dress and indecently or yes yes i mean that i mean i don't know at some point in some societies it works when women you understand cover up up and all that but men must also be men must also be taught that rape is a crime and rape is sex with no consent and a woman has a right over her body when she says no it is no and when she says yes it is yes and we must all understand that and be at a level playing field so there's the first recommendation and then the second one is as i said earlier on i think i said it even before that the law cannot do it alone society must play active role so as much as it's taught only in schools i think mothers also need uh, mothers and fathers because now raising children is, is a shared responsibility so mothers and fathers must also play key role in that in the sense that they must also start telling their boys that a woman has a right over his body you will remember that i think rat has um research rat has said something he says patriarchal society male dominance and it runs through most of the research male superiority yes i don't know i don't know at what level we think it's a man's world but now it's both worlds you know i don't think we should have that argument at any point in time because we work in synergy to make the society a better place women work with men and when we respect each other in our space 
you know we don't feel that well a woman is supposed to do more a man is supposed to do less or vice versa but we feel that we all must play a role a woman respects a man a man a man also respects a woman and and we believe that we are all in, we are all in the, created in the image of God and likeness as a Christian. I would, I would say that. And so there is no one who falls short, you know, for us to think that it's a man's world. It's our world. And we all play key role in that. We all contribute in some way to make the world a better place. So let's just respect each other's space. You know, we may have our prejudice against the other sex. Men are this, women are that. You know, but maybe we should just start relaxing our stance a bit and respect each other's space. And when we respect each other's space, we will know that the world is for all of us to make it a better place. Women also contribute equally, like men. And we must respect that, regardless of our differences. And when we say it's a man's world, let's, let's look at it. What would the world be like without women? Mm. As we always say, it's a man's world. Okay. So assuming, let's assume that um, God created only men. Will the world thrive? I don't think so. or not because even look at organizations right politics now women are also playing key role in that and a man cannot survive without well i don't know but i know i'm, I'm not going to start a, a, a debate or an argument on it but look at this world we need women to survive that's the argument we need women to survive men cannot survive alone your evidence is loud and clear i know some People would fight hard and give all the the, 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 the arguments and these men would be better without women. And some people go to the point of citing this song, No Woman No Cry. <laughs> so, you know, well, yes, no woman no cry. But when women are not there in this world, the world will not be better. Saving our music videos. Mm. Music video without women. Now, you see women all over. Though I don't agree to certain large extent the way the women are portrayed, you know, nudity and all that, I don't agree to that. I believe women can come in decently dressed, you know, and all, and it will make it... I mean, when we say it can be sexy and all that, but nice, not to give any men any, um, any suggestions or ideas. But... It boils down to society cannot live without women. Women play a key role. Society needs women. And we must know that and get that. And because of that, men also need to play a role for us to increase the rising numbers of rape. So we must be taught in our homes. Mothers, fathers must teach their boys. If a woman says no, it's no. Respect a woman. Respect a woman's body. It's her body and she has the right to say she does not want you. 
and it's okay. And we must also teach what rejection is. Maybe I think um, our idea of rejection must also be shaped a bit. One of the researchers said our thoughts, you know, that when a woman says no, I mean, maybe we should not call it rejection. Um, We should see it as when she says no, it means that she does just not want it. You know, it does that. Maybe you meet another woman who may want it. So just going for that woman who wants it. But this woman, when she says no, no, there are a lot of women out there who may want it. It's not rejection. It's just somebody saying no to a particular act at a particular point in time that she does not want. And don't see it as rejection. Just see it as she says no. And that's her, her problem. So you move on to somebody who says yes. And that is it. But the moment we, I think to be taught in our homes and our schools, the moment a woman says no and the men get indication, this rejection is an insult to manhood. No, we are heading towards danger. So that our boys must be thought that when a woman says no, it's not rejection. A woman says no, she's just saying no to a particular act, a particular advance, sexual advance that she's not comfortable with. And it may have so many, she may have so many reasons why she's saying no. So just respect that and move on to somebody who will say yes. And don't see it as a rejection and an insult to your manhood. This is nothing like an insult to your manhood. This is somebody saying no to a particular act. Society must teach our boys that, and maybe our girls also that, to make it gender um, balanced. And by this, when we start shaping our the thought of society gradually, I think maybe we'll get somewhere. And the law also gets to what it has to do, which is doing already with enough evidence, then I, I believe society is getting somewhere. The law is getting somewhere. When we merge our efforts collectively, I think the impact of rape will be minimal. But if we leave it only in the hands of the law, the law doesn't work without evidence. And I said in the second episode that usually, what if in society, some societies that require women to pay for the medical facilities and those women do not have the means? There's no evidence. Justice is denied. What if in societies where women are afraid that they'll be lashed at, so they will not come out to say they have been raped and they keep it in silence? Justice is denied. The law is handicapped at that particular point because if you don't come forth to lodge a complaint with the evidence what can the law do that is why the justice system sometimes is handicapped not that it's not effective but it's come and lodge the complaint give me the evidence let me incriminate the person. But oftentimes, no evidence. The victim is not ready to come out. And if you read uh, most of the researches that I read in colleges, those women, the women who were raped, they, you know, some of them start at a point, they, the process is a bit cumbersome for them. They just abandon it. And they are denied justice. Not because the court is denying them justice or the justice is denying them justice because they are not helping because for the just them to take part actively 
you must also play a role and some women just abandon it at some stage so that's when society must come in and help by forming let's start shaping in schools in homes thoughts different thoughts in our young men in our young women you know for instance the, the thought of rejection I mean, don't put a name to it. When we start putting names, it becomes scary. But when a woman says no, she's not saying no to you. She says no to the act because she may not be in the mood for the act. And it's just that when we start seeing things differently and start inculcating this in our young ones right from early stages, it can help in some way. So mothers play a role, fathers play a role, parents collectively play a role should educate their young ones, particularly their men on rape and how to respect women. Society must also, the media, the mass media, can also pick up campaign, you know, sketch, drama, movies, music. We cannot play a role. We preach that through our music. We we preach that through our movies. We preach that through our whatever it is the mass media is wide debates you know just every corner of the society let's just start rape is a crime rape is says with no consent a woman says no it's no no does not mean rejection no means to a particular act and we start forming and reshaping the thought of society together with the justice system we are going to achieve so much women are going to be free some men are also going to be free and then we deal with the issue of rape but until then if we always say we are going to live it for the justice system they are going to try their best their best is when the victim with evidence is presented to them but without it they are handicapped so society must also start playing a role so that rape becomes minimal in our society and I hope somebody will pick this up and write a paper on it and start a massive campaign in our homes in our schools in our mass media in our music our movies We should make it so vivid, so interesting. These are the movies, cartoons, cartoons. I'm I'm hoping to come up with uh, maybe a cartoon or something, but I hope I, 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 I find a time and do it. Make it so interesting. Interesting storyline about rape, yet it drums home the point about reshaping our thoughts. For men to know that rape, it's just this says with no consent and for women to also know that and then we start collectively helping our society well i hope we can reach we can reach a point where it's rape free but somebody will say it's utopia but when rape is minimal then we have achieved something and this can help and so that's the recommendation is the reason i gave you a glimpse of the rapist mind 
so that the recommendations can support it and then we start taking action on it so i hope somebody will pick it up let's start a campaign if you also want to get in touch with me and then we start you know maybe i don't know how we can if you, if you have good ideas of how we can start um innovative ideas about how we can start i'll be glad in our various societies in our various countries and i've already recommended those with the apps that i want in nigeria us uk maybe another idea can come i love ideas i love innovation i love things that i, I don't know yet to be discovered so if you if you contact me and you have a fantastic idea maybe we can all start somehow first with the thoughts so everything that i've said all the recommendation is first reshaping the thoughts of society about rape somebody should please pick it up or let's all join hands and achieve a minimal rape society so thank you for your time and thank you for choosing us we hope to come your way with other segments from Clancy, from Bonga, from Candy, from Rustan and others who are yet to join and lawyers to from other jurisdiction I'm I'm waiting on you and thank you very much there's this gentleman who got in touch um said he was circulated um somewhere in Africa I don't want to mention the name of the country Thank you so much. I mean, I know you said you said so you are listening to the podcast somewhere in Africa. I like the country. I mean, I hope to be there someday. So, thank you for listening and I hope your lawyers also come on board and help about the legal GPS. Thank you. And thank you very much. No legal lawyers. I want doctors to please Please, a gentle appeal, doctors, please. Can some doctor also volunteer to give us some medical tips? You know, I don't know, any form. Please, please, doctors, please come on board. Don't let the lawyers dominate this this, this platform, please. So I want doctors to, or any, any, apart from doctors, to give us some medical tips or any discipline, maybe fitness coach, also to volunteer their service. Um, um, or maybe I was thinking about, you know, this podcasting is not. Um, I, I, we don't consider it as an as a formal platform. Me, I see it as a family where we share information. We don't need any um, specialty where you can talk in a particular way, or, or it's just disseminating information. And you choose the way you disseminate your information. I don't mind. So far as we are sharing our knowledge, that is all I need. It's just a family where we share knowledge. And that's why I make it an effort not to edit, you know, so I let people see our humanness. So I don't want people to bring our humanness and originality. So I just see that it's a family sharing knowledge and that is it. So anybody who feels in his or her discipline, you also need to share knowledge. Maybe a civil engineer, maybe innovation, anything, anything. You want to share your knowledge, please get in touch with us to get this podcast to be exciting. Thank you for choosing us. And I hope to come your way again sometime. Till then, stay safe and 
let's help shape our societies let's contribute let's leave a name with our gifts because each one of us has a gift we have a career we have our professions yes all that but let's also use our gift to help humanity and solve some problems somehow thank you and bye for now Thank mm-hmm. you.